Welcome. My name is Tracy Cook, and this is the podcast series Victim to Victory. This series gives a voice to those that have overcome obstacles in all forms, that dare greatly to share their real stories. Amazing humans like our upcoming guest that have seen hope risen above their adversities to become victorious, that now go on to support empower and inspire others to do the same. So please subscribe and comment and go into our monthly draw at Victim to Victory podcast series. Today, we're giving a voice to Kim Nesbitt. Welcome to Victim to Victory, Kim. Thank you. Glad to be here. Oh, we are so we are so, so pleased to have you. Now, a little bit about Kim as well. She is an online business coach, She is a speaker. She is an Amazon number one best-selling author, and we're going to be talking a little bit about that as well. She is amazing. She's empowering. You need to connect with her. She is a certified emotion code practitioner, and Kim and her husband have been married for 34 years. Fantastic. And recently her son got married as well, which is great. And they have two adult sons. So Kim loves people. And you'll see that today in our interview. And she loves to uplift them and help them find their joy. And we all need a little bit of joy in our life. Now, Kim works very energetically to release trapped emotions, which can relieve both physical and emotional pain. So if this is something that you are looking for, you need to reach out. You need to listen to Kim's words of wisdom because she loves helping people thrive emotionally, financially, and spiritually. And her number one Amazon best-selling book, her collaborative author book in the Life by Design series, her chapter title is Finding Joy in Joyless Times. So we'll be speaking a little bit about that as well. Kim, where does your story start? Oh, boy. <laughs> My story starts December 1st, 2006. Um, I live in the Seattle area with my family. My mom and dad live in the Chicago area, and my brother was up visiting. And it had been snowing uh, a lot, a lot of snow, and they always had their driveway uh, plowed out, and the cars were parked in the driveway. So my mom and my brother went out to clear, to move the cars so that then the plow truck could come in and plow out the thing. And the city had gone through and plowed the streets, and when they plow the streets, it creates a big lump of snow that you have to get up and over. Well, my mom had gone out and she was, and my brother were were digging out kind of his truck. He got into the truck to back it out. She went in for another shovel scoop of snow. He did not know she was back there and accidentally backed over her and killed her instantly. Wow. So, It was a horrific, horrific time. I got a phone call. I was at a friend's house on that day helping her. Um, She was getting a divorce from her husband. And so I was there helping her get ready to move out. And my aunt called me on my cell phone and said, are you at home? And I said, no, I'm at a friend's house. You know, what's going on? And she said, well, we need you to go home and you need to call your husband and have him come home. And ever since I was a child, our family never shared um, bad news. 
if you were alone. So I knew something terrible was up. I didn't know what it was. I just knew it was bad. And so I called my husband. I you know, told my friend I needed to leave. Called my husband and I said, you need to come home. Something has happened. I don't know what it is. Um, and and I kind of don't even remember the whole phone call. There's certain parts of it that I remember really well and other parts that I don't. So we knew there had been an accident and we knew that mom was involved, but we didn't know to what extent at this point. My sister was on her way to work and they called her and said, you need to turn around and go home. So she went home. So she and I were kind of talking back and forth and we're like, well, let's just call the hospital and see what's going on. And so I called the hospital and I asked to check on my mother and my uncle gets put on the phone that the nurse was kind of like, ah, 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 ah. And um, he gets on the phone and he said, I said, you know, was she okay? What's going on? We thought, you know, maybe she'd lost a leg or something. And he said, she's gone. And I said, she's gone. Where'd she go? What do you mean? And he goes, she's gone. And I'm like, I don't understand what you're saying. And he said, she died. And I'm like, and I just screamed and fell to the ground in the, in my bathroom. And I was on the bathroom floor when my husband walked in and I just looked at him and I said, she's dead. And he's like, what? I said, she's dead. And you know, my brother had accidentally backed over her. And I remember I left the next day to go to Chicago and I packed the stupidest, stupidest stuff. I had a bright pink sweater and blue jeans and just like I, my brain was absolutely not working. I got on the airplane. I sat there. And then I remember getting off the airplane and my cousin picked me up and taking me to my sister's house. And it was the next evening now, by the time I had gotten there and um, just got out of the car and my sister and I just hugged for a long time. And my dad was then at her house. They had released him from the hospital. They ended up taking all three to the hospital. My mom was gone. My brother was attempting suicide when the ambulance arrived. My dad, they were afraid, was having a heart attack. So they took all three of them in an ambulance. And But luckily, he was he had not had a heart attack. It was just the shock of everything that was happening. He actually heard commotion when it was going on and was coming out the door. And my neighbor saw him and pushed him back in so he wouldn't see what had happened. And um, I went in and he was laying on my sister's bed and I just went in and laid next to him. And it was just, I remember laying there thinking the world just felt tilted the wrong way. It just wasn't spinning correctly. And I remember being in a car and other people were driving around. This was the week of the funeral and everything. And I'm thinking, you know, their life is going on. Mine, mine felt like it had ended. It felt just wrong. And, um, my brother, I'm glad to report is doing great now. He's doing really, really well. This was, you know, 15 years ago. It's been a long, long, long recovery. I had, um, my husband and I, we have, we had two, you know, kids. My youngest was in fifth grade. Our oldest was in a freshman in high school and I became a skeleton of a person an absolute skeleton of a person. And it was just learning how to survive. My mom and I were extremely close. We talked on the phone, you know, six, seven times a day. 
Um, and now that was just gone. And I, I didn't know how to function. And my youngest had, had a report, a school report due on uh, Abraham Lincoln. And I thought, I don't care. I, I don't know how to live. I don't know how to help him. Um, and so I went to the school and said, you know what? We need help. I actually stayed in Chicago for close to three weeks, um, just surviving. And I remember my, my dad and my sister and I went to a restaurant. We ordered one hamburger and French fries and we split it. And there was leftovers because we just, we just quit eating. And, um, I came home and we brought my dad with me, which was such a blessing. He came and stayed for about a month and it was, it was good for him. It was great for the kids. It was great for my husband and I to have him here and just have that time for him to cope and, and go on. And as I kind of, well, three years later, we ended up adopting a little chihuahua. My son had come home and said he wanted to adopt a chihuahua. And I'm like, a chihuahua? No, <laughs> I don't want a chihuahua. <laughs> and um, this was three years after the accident. And so I said, well, let's foster one and see if we like it. Well, we were failed fosters. We fell in love with her and kept her. And my husband says that at that point, that really helped me to kind of start turning around. And I, I realized... I had to find joy again. I was always a very joyful person. I've always been very positive. But all of that was gone. I was so numb and just so not a part of life. And so I started doing some little things to try to find that joy again. One of the things I couldn't have her picture up, couldn't have her picture up for close to five years. Um, but I found little things. It was kids' artwork or something that we'd found on the beach, just a little something that brought me joy. And I would hide it in the kitchen or I would hide it in the, you know, my cleaning cupboard. So when I went to go do a chore around the house, I would find this little thing and I would just, <gasps> and that just kind of started to bring that process around again. Um, as a family, there's two boys, two girls. I would say we pulled together as a family through all of this. We never once blamed my brother for this happening. Um, and we were able to, as, as a core family, survive kind of that huge tragedy. So that's, that's kind of where this is all at. Wow. I, I, I love the way, Kim, that you've got those little sparks of joy that can remind you of the special things and a happy place amongst all of the chaos and the turmoil. And like you said, you know, not only you, but your whole family is numb and, and just such a, a burden for your, for your brother to, to bear and work through and things like that as well. So the impact of something so sudden um, and so, so tragic and such a, a great loss um, but finding comfort with your family and those little things that can spark joy and remind us that we don't have to sleepwalk forever. Um, it is a process, right? And to Well, and one of the things I always say with grief, you know, people always tell you it gets better, it gets better, it gets better. And I say it doesn't get better. It gets different. It just gets different. The rawness and the hurt and the crush 
is gone, but you're never over it. You just kind of learn to deal with it. I like that. Learn to deal with it because that's the important part. Mm -hmm. You're still going to feel that hurt, but how are we going to deal with it? That's absolutely amazing. And finding joy in joyless times, the chapter of your Life by Design collaborative book series. Uh, We'll Mm -hmm. be sharing where to go and read your story as well. Um, So what prompted you to be an author and actually write your chapter? You know, a book has been on my heart for a long time. And I knew I wanted to do it. I didn't know how to do it. I didn't know what to do. I didn't know where would you begin. And I was given an opportunity to write one chapter. And I thought, I can write one chapter. And I'm now ready, 15 and a half years later, to get that story out. Um, I'm So I knew I wanted to do it. And the process of writing it and reading it, the, the hard thing was reading the edits. Um, I did get it back from the editor and it took me a week. And I'm like, here's, there it is. Yep, I'll deal with that later. Um, but it was really healing. It was really, really very healing to do it and get through it. Um, so yeah, just, just the fact of getting a chapter out was good. And when people are reading your chapter, what's the biggest takeaway that you're hoping that they will get from it? Oh, I just want people to know that there is joy and there is hope no matter what is going on. Yes, you have to look for it and sometimes you have to make it, but it's always there. There's always hope. And look for that hope because it's out there. I love that. Look for the hope because we can walk around just sleepwalking, like you said. If we're looking for that hope, then we're going to find things that spark our joy even in in a small way, don't we? Mm -hmm. And little things that you wouldn't realize, like you'll you'll start to notice the sun is, is hitting something in your backyard in just a certain way. And it's just like, oh, that's so neat. And if you're looking for those things, you do find them. I love that. And how are you helping others um, at the moment as well? We did touch a little bit about how you are a um, certified emotion code practitioner. How are you helping others, um, you know, find their um, to thrive emotionally and financially and spiritually? Uh, there's the emotion code is such an amazing thing. I have always since a child been very, very, very intuitive and I can connect with people. And so I connect energetically and just can go in and quickly identify up to 60 emotions that are trapped in a person's body that is either causing them physical pain or is keeping them stuck in some way in their life, either relationship or business or career or life relationships, whatever it is, we can go in quickly identify it's painless that you don't have to relive anything to release these emotions. You can say as much or as little as you want, and we just release them. And it's amazing just in one session, even what will happen for people. That's amazing. And when you're connected with somebody and you're wanting to release those types of things, it's just such a healing journey and it's just something 
such an obstacle to overcome and look at differently from a different perspective as well. So the work you're doing um, is life-changing and life-saving, I'm guessing, as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, very much and, so. And where can we actually connect with you as well, Kim? So my website, which is kimnesbit.com, and it's K-I-M-N-E-S-B-I-T-T.com. And that has everything, all my information there. That is absolutely wonderful. And what is one saying, word, perspective, inspirational quote, something that you would like to leave our audience on today as well? Mm, One of the things that, that always comes to me is be kind to people because you have no idea the pain or the burden that they are carrying around. And it could just be a simple smile to someone who's having a bad day that can change their, you may be the hope that someone is looking for in just that simple smile. Wonderful. You may just be the hope. I love that. Kim, you're very appreciated. You have been on such a journey. Your family has been on such a journey. I'm so pleased and honoured to have interviewed you today for the Life by Design series. The work you're doing in the world is creating a ripple effect of hope, love and joy, and you're so appreciated here. Thank you very much for your time, and we will see you on the next episode. Thank you.